0: Oh, man. Oh, that's loud. I'm sorry. Good morning. If you've ever read um, that classic work by Dickens, A Christmas Carol, or if you've ever watched the countless remakes, retellings of that in movies and television, some really great, some not so well, the classic with... Alistair Sims, there's that awesome one with Bill Murray, uh, one of my favorites. Even Susan Lucci got in the act. I was subjected to that one once. That was really great. But if you've oh geez, sorry um, if you've seen any of those, you're familiar with this scene. Early in the book, Scrooge returns home to his place, his apartment, after his day of work, and sits down and he has his dinner. And then this this ghost appears on the scene, covered in chains, way more than I even have with me this morning. And Scrooge, in his fear, interacts with the, 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 the ghost and says, You're fettered. Tell me why. And the ghost says, I wear the chains that I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it of my own free will, and of my own free will... I wore it, and now Marley, his former business partner, now a ghost, is is strapped with these chains for all eternity, wandering the universe, dragging along the chains that he built and put together in his life by the way he lived his life, and he offers Scrooge one chance, one night, to undo some things, so that he can avoid that same type of life. Now, thankfully, I don't have any chains of my own. So I had to borrow, these are Mike Sutton, oh, I promised I wouldn't say. These are Mike Sutton's chains, because I don't have any chains of my own. These are, Mike's chains are 10 pounds pounds. I I weighed them this morning, and if you wonder why he's so big and strong, it's because he carries these with him. Everywhere he goes, all right, that's not true, but there's a couple things about that that aren't true. Mike does not carry those everywhere he goes, and for me to tell you this morning that I have no chains would be a huge lie, because the reality is we all have these chains, these things in our lives that keep us, they hold us in bondage. They keep us from running the race that God has called us to run at the speed that he would like us to run it or with the ability to run it for the long haul because we're weighted down by here, in this case, ten and a half pounds of of baggage and and garbage and pain and hurts and hang-ups that keep us from experiencing the abundant life that God has for us. But luckily, we serve a God who has no desire to allow us to carry those chains. He doesn't want us to carry them in eternity, and he doesn't even want us to carry them here on this earth. And so he creates a way for us to break the chains. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Many of you know that Jesse and I uh, have the opportunity to lead the Celebrate Recovery group here At Bethany Um, we've actually been involved in this ministry for nine years now helping people work through as we put it there the hurts habits and hang-ups of our lives the things that chain us down the things that keep us from being fully who God has called us to be and for many I've already lost you because I said the words celebrate recovery which happens to be a Christian 12-step program so some of you, you've already just, you're already off on whatever else that you're going to do this morning because in your mind, oh, 12-step program, my friend needs that, and they're not here today. Boy, they should be. And so you've already stopped. You're not with us. Um, and some of you have heard that, meets, oh, 12-step program, those aren't very godly. There's a stigma often that comes with 12-step and, and recovery, but I want to assure you today that Celebrate Recovery is actually based on the Bible. And so I want to, uh, when when Pastor Phil asked me to come this morning and, and fill in for him as he's preaching in Texas this morning, he said, why don't you preach about recovery? And I said, well, I think I can probably, we can probably do that this morning. So I'm going to bring to you some of the steps, luckily for you, not all of them, because there's 12 And you don't want me to talk about all 12, but I'm going to highlight some of the steps. And what I'm hoping today to show you is that really what Celebrate Recovery is, is a a lens at which we use to look at the scripture to help us to get rid of the chains that hold us down. Essentially, it's discipleship. Working together to help each other to grow into the people that God wants us to be and helping us loose the chains or break the chains that God has placed Or that God has not placed that we've placed on ourselves. Boy, that's let's stop now. Um, And so let's talk about that. But first, let's. So you're probably thinking, what are these hurts, habits, and hang-ups? Well, I've got a few. I'm going to flash up here. Um, You know, we say hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and celebrate recovery. Well, that could be addictions. It can be gossiping. It can be hate, prejudice, ageism, racism. All the isms usually fit in there. Um, Abuse, whether you've been abused or you're the abuser, stuff you can work on. uh, Pain, loneliness, depression rage, um, anxiety, drug addiction, codependency, eating disorders, pornography, alcohol, sin, uh, alcohol abuse, sin, doubt, foul language, um, greed, lust, pride, false humility, lack of trust, oh, alcohol apparently, it's so important it's on there twice, um, cigarettes, marijuana, um, abuse of prescription med- medication, and using sexuality in a way not ordained by God. Just a brief list. Of things that might cause you to have some links in your chain might cause me to have some links in my chain Now I'm tempted to ask ask the question but I I don't please don't raise your hand but I will ask the question so is there anybody here this morning that doesn't see something on that list that perhaps maybe is causing them some difficulty again I don't want I don't want to know um, yet Some of you are probably still thinking of your friend who needs, oh, yeah, he does that, or she does that. But I'm going to ask you to take a moment this morning and just ask yourself and ask God, is there something either on that list or something that I missed this morning that God would say, let's, let's work on this. Let's try to lift that burden off of us today. But if you're still sitting there and you're thinking there's nothing, nothing I need to work on, nothing in my life that's unmanageable at the moment, nothing in my life that, I would, that is causing me pain, then we better jump right to my first point this morning, and that is that we've got a breakout of denial. You've got a breakout of the denial that tells you that everything is okay. Because chances are, you have something. But denial tells you that you have no issues. Denial loves the thing that we talk about a lot around here, blind spots. Denial loves to help you find a blind spot. Oh, I guess I could tell this. I hadn't thought about that. So, uh, was it Thursday night? I'm going to pick up Chinese food just around the corner from my house. I've done it countless times. And it's 5.15 in the afternoon. Traffic coming off of 4.95 is backed up forever. If you know where I live, you go You take a left on my driveway you make a right and an immediate left and there's the hong kong house maybe it's not the best but it's great actually i like it i don't you know but it's close too it's very convenient and i'm waiting to make my left hand turn and the suv in the in the lane closest to me waves me through yep you can come around you can make your turn so i make my turn i can't see anything in the right hand lane heading towards me and sure enough There's the least 2016 Lexus little gray sports car that I couldn't see because it was in my what? My blind spot, but I sure saw it when we connected. So now, as I didn't have enough other things to do, I have a car that needs to be fixed and, and because of my blind spot. Now, thankfully, God was really good to both of us. We both walked away unscathed. He didn't hit me. He didn't yell at me. He didn't beat me up. Very nice man. And we both drove away with cars with, look for what we list at the moment, looks like minimal cosmetic damage. But it was all because I took for granted that there would be nobody there. And they were there. They were in my blind spot. I didn't know it, and I didn't use enough caution. And denial is good at that, causing us to have a blind spot. I introduced myself at Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday nights this way. My name is Jeff. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, recovering from depression, anger, and anxiety. Hello. And for years, if you had asked me, do you have any issues that you need to work on in your life, I would have said no. I even started going to celebrate recovery as a leader nine years ago, thinking I had nothing to work. I was just going to help. And then God said, well, what about these things? Yeah, and so I am grateful to God and to the program that I can now introduce myself as someone recovering from those things. I actually know I have to work them. So what happens with denial, though, is we tend to tell ourselves things like this, and if you've ever been around someone, one of those people, you'll hear these phrases. You'll hear, I can stop whenever I want. Whether it's drinking or watching um, pornography, or, or gossiping, or really any behavior that I use that's negative, I can stop it whenever I want to. Bad puns, I can stop telling bad puns anytime I want. I can stop instantly. And then we also tell ourselves that my issue really doesn't affect anyone. For years, anxiety, the third issue that I list, caused me to be physically ill. So much so that I missed a lot of days of work. I'm not going to go into any of the details of the illness because it's not pleasant. But I missed a lot of work because the way I was handling anxiety wasn't healthy for me and it took a physical toll on my body. There were some weeks where I'd missed, three or four days, and somehow convinced myself that it didn't affect anyone else. But everybody at work had to cover for me and I was the director At the time they had to take my calls they had to handle my meetings they had to do the things that I was supposed to be doing but I was missing oh but it didn't affect it didn't impact anyone and then third we start to believe you know actually it's really not an issue I mean I can stop whenever I want it's not impacting anybody else so It's really not that big a deal. I don't even know why we're talking about it this morning. Let's just all go home. But the reality is that what I had to learn was that actually I couldn't stop whenever I wanted. That my issue did affect everyone else that I came into contact with. And that I did, in fact, actually have something in my life that needed to be addressed. And so God used kind of a back door to get me into recovery and ask, hey, we have this ministry at our church back in Missouri that needs a leader. We feel like God's calling you to lead it. Will you try? Oh, sure. I'll try. And then God started saying, ah, let's show you some blind spots. Denial convinces us that we have the power over our own lives and that everything is under control. We self-medicate. That's often where the problem begins. We have a difficulty in our life that we think we can handle on our own, and we handle it through self-medication. We drink something, we take something, we watch something, we do something, and we think we're handling the issue on our own, but what we're actually doing is is that issue is causing us to get addicted to or, or... desire something that's of anything other than God that actually hurts and harms us and causes us pain and the people around us pain. But we're somehow convinced that we have the power over these things and that everything's under control. So I told you there's 12 steps to celebrate recovery. And I promise you, we're not going to do all 12 this morning. But the first one says this. The first one says this. We admitted we were powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors, that our lives had become unmanageable. And see, I told you, it's it's Scripture, um, Romans 7, 18, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Now, if you ask me, that step one is a statement of the gospel. We were all born with a sinful nature as a result of our friends back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. We all have this sinful nature. We are powerless to purchase our redemption from that sinful nature on our own. We are powerless to live the life that God has called us to live by ourselves. We need a higher power to come in and help us to recover. So the truth that we need to hear this morning is that you're powerless. I'm powerless. Your life may, in fact, be out of control. But God and God alone has the power to help you recover. It's the message of the gospel. God will help you recover. He will help you break the chains of that thing that's held on so tightly to you forever. Step two. And Still, I promise, we're not going to do them all. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Philippians 2.1. Again, the gospel. One of the things that makes Celebrate Recovery different from some of the other 12-step programs that you'll go into is that when we talk about a power greater than ourselves, we don't leave that open to interpretation. Our higher power on Tuesday night at Celebrate Recovery or whatever night a CR is meeting is the same higher power that we pray to and worship and talk to here on a Sunday morning. His name is Jesus Christ. And so there are some 12-step programs that will let you choose other higher powers, but not at Celebrate Recovery. Because we know that there's really only one higher power that can do what we need done for us, and that's Jesus Christ. And so the message is, yeah, I've sinned. I can't conquer this on my own, but God has the power to redeem my life and help restore it to sanity. So the first thing we have to do is break out of this denial and finally admit that there is something, one thing, two things, 57 things, I don't know. There's something in our life that's unmanageable and that we need to give to God so he can start removing those chains. Then what do we do? We need to break up. See the scene? Break the chains, break out, break up. Try to make it easy. We need to break up. We need to finally break up from the hurts, habits, and hang-ups that are robbing us from our freedom. How do we do that? Well... First thing is we need to realize that we need to actually decide, commit, to break up with these things once and for all. Any of you know that person who keeps dating the same person over and over again? Sometimes it's figuratively, but sometimes it's literally. I know he's bad for me. I'm going to break up with him. But I can't live without him, so I'm going to take him back. But I know, I know she's bad for me, so I'm going to break up with her. But I can't live without her, so I'm going to take her back. And we keep doing that over and over and over again. You know, we don't see them for months, and then they show up. Oh, and she's wearing that dress. It's irresistible. Or he's in town on business, and he called me. I have to reconnect with him. And we break up, and we get back together. And we break up, and we get back together. We do that with our stuff, too, don't we? We do that with these things that cause the chain. It wouldn't be a Dr. Jeff sermon if there wasn't some sort of Seinfeld reference. So I've asked my friend Kramer from Seinfeld to illustrate this point for us this morning. So here's the first part of it. I must have been out of my mind. Look at you. Why don't you do something with your life? You sit around here all day. You contribute nothing to society. You're just taking up space. I mean, how could I be with someone like you? And respect myself. So here's Kramer. Breaking up with this nameless, faceless woman. She contributes nothing to society. Nothing to his life. How can, I mean, there's Kramer saying, how can I be, but that's a whole other thing. How could I be with someone like you? And we've all had those moments in our life with people, but we've also had those moments in our lives with our things, with our issues, with our stuff, with our addictions and our habits. This drinking contributes nothing to me. It's actually doing nothing to help me. I'm going to stop. This pornography that I'm watching is not healthy for me. I need to stop doing it. There's nothing about it that's edifying. It adds nothing to my life. I'm going to stop. And then we do this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm done. I'm not going to drink that anymore. I'm not going to smoke that anymore. I'm not going to watch that anymore. I'm not going to spread gossip. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. It's over. I'm happier without it. Oh, but I want it so bad. I need it back. I want it back. And we keep doing what we call in recovery, insanity. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Guess what? Ladies, if you keep dating Kramer's, all you're going to get is Kramer's. Just saying. You keep dating, if you know the show, you keep dating Elaine's, you're going to keep getting Elaine. My dad um, watches Seinfeld now. He didn't used to, but, and I remember the first time I found out he watched it, he said, Elaine, she's very friendly, isn't she? You keep dating Elaine, that's what you're going to get, Elaine and you keep drinking or smoking or doing or whatever, those things that you say are bad for you, you're going to keep having the same results in your life. Brokenness, pain, these chains. And so the only way for something different to happen is you have to do something different. Which brings us to step five in our recovery process, which says we admit it to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And somebody's going, wait a minute. You want me to tell somebody else about my thing? No, I don't. God does Why else would he have had James the Apostle write Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. But I've talked to God about it. You have. And God appreciates that. And then God says, so now tell someone else. Why does he do that? Why would I have to do that? Because in that telling of somebody else, for most of us, that's where we throw a monkey wrench in to the insanity merry-go-round. For a lot of us, it's the something different that we've never done before. Because we're not just telling anybody. It's not like I'm, gonna, I'm not telling the person that I drink with that I shouldn't drink. I'm telling someone that I know has probably been through this problem and been through this issue and is celebrating recovery from it, has got rid of the chains. I'm saying, I want to stop doing this and I want you to hold me accountable. So when we break up and we announce to someone that we trust That this is an issue I'm gonna stop doing first thing we're asking for from them is accountability I have a group of men in my life from this church who will text me on a regular basis sometimes they're texting me to ask me to pray for them or to call them to hold them accountable for something sometimes they're texting me because they've seen or they've heard that I'm in the process of doing something I'm not supposed to do or going a direction that's going to lead me back to an old habit and they contact me and they go, um, what was that about? What's going on? Did you really want to say that? Should you really have done that? you really want to go that direction? Those same people are helping me establish new patterns in my life. So if I used to respond to stress and anxiety, by which is what I did, bottling it up and turning it into a physical illness. Something different that I do now is when I start to experience stress and anxiety in my life, I text or call one of these brothers. And they pray with me. And oddly enough, I'm not sick. I haven't had to take those pills for that stuff since 2012. And the, I tried the diet that the doctor said would keep me from being sick. That did nothing. I didn't drink the soda he told me not to drink, which was hard. Don't drink this. Don't eat that. I did all of those things and I was still sick. It wasn't until I started realizing maybe I should work this recovery process for this that that went away. And they're there to celebrate those kind of victories with me. I've known men who used to resort to violence, breaking bones, breaking bodies, spent time in prison for that. That's how they used to respond to difficulties in their life. Now, instead, they text someone that they trust, and they pray about it, and no one gets hurt. I know women who used to make a tray of brownies and eat all of them at once. And now they text one of the ladies who they trust. And they don't do that anymore. They pray. Or maybe they make the brownies and share it with the group. Which is wonderful. I love that. Because they celebrate their victories together. I want to introduce you to a group of men this morning who have been working this process of breaking out and breaking up. We have the Tuesday night meeting that we do at Celebrate Recovery, and then we have another meeting that occurs for for men and women that want to actually work the 12 steps that I've alluded to this morning and put those into practice in their life for specific issues. And we have a group of men that just finished that a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to ask them to come up this morning. I would encourage you to clap for them as they come. I would like to ask uh, Scott Drew to come up on the platform this morning. Doug Kramer, if you would join us. Mark Hamill, way in the back. Steven Bono. John Oliver. And Chad, are you here this morning? One of our guys had to work, so I just wanted to make sure. Congratulations. I'm sure I give you the right one. Nope, that's not yours. Yeah, you take them all. <laughs> got to work on that greed. <laughs> I got it. So thrilled for these guys. Does this mean they're all cured? And all they, No, not exactly. But it means that they're taking the steps to break out and break up with these things in their lives. And if you want to know their specific stories, it's quite easy. Ask them. And they'll tell you what they can. And they'll tell you what this program has done. So let's give them one more hand as they head back. I promised them they wouldn't have to say anything. They spent almost a year... Stuck with me every Sunday morning before they came to church. So that in and of itself is something. So they've broken out. They're working on breaking up and breaking out so they can break in. Break in to the freedom that comes from living an abundant life. The ultimate goal for every believer, I think, is to live the life that God has called us to live. Step 11. See, I went from 5 to 11. So we're almost, just two more. It's Pretty good. It says, we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. Now don't get worried. Some people get worried about the word meditate. That just means reading the word, and praying about it, and giving God time to talk to you. So nothing really strange. But we get to a point in our life where we can do this. See, the same hurts, habits, and hangups that produce the chains that we showed you this morning also start to box God out of our life. The more room we give to that activity, to that sinful activity, to that pain in our life, the less room God has to live. And so whether we realize it or not, we're robbing ourselves of the abundant life that God has promised all of us. He said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what we should all be striving for. Pastor Phil's been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks, about not settling for just the perfection that we get in heaven, but being willing to fight for the abundant life that God has for us right now here on this earth. And that's what this is about. He has so many wonderful things for you that you probably will not experience because you've given him very little room in your heart because you've given room to all this other stuff that doesn't need to be there, and it's weighing you down, and it's keeping you from being who... He's called you to be. But when we begin this process of getting that stuff out and giving God more room to work and actually actually asking him to do that, he will, and we'll get to step 12, which says, having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and practice these principles in all our affairs. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, You who are spiritual should restore them gently, but watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. We get to that point in our life, in our walk, in our recovery, that we can help the next generation of recovery people coming along. We can say, I understand where you are because I was there. And I could still be there today if not for the grace of God. I could have what we call a relapse if I don't continue to do what God has called me to do, to live this life the way Jesus wants me to. But we can break into the freedom that comes from living abundantly. One of the things we talk about a lot in recovery is that God never wastes a hurt. What does that mean? Like I said, everything in your life that you've been through, God uses. Scripture makes it pretty clear. He uses it to strengthen you. He uses it to encourage others as we recover, whether it's from a physical illness. If you're going to have knee surgery, what do you do? You seek out other people who've had knee surgery and say, how did it go for you? Do you know anything about that doctor? Is he good at this or not? Do you know anything about the procedure? How long did it take you to recover? We ask those questions. Do the same thing in, Christianity, in our walk with God when it comes to these, these things in our lives that we're trying to shake. How did that work for you? What did you do? How did the recovery work? How did you go? And we're able to encourage others. Because we're going to come across people in life who need recovery. Whether they need it in a meeting structured like ours on a Tuesday night, or whether they need to find it somewhere else, that's that's between you and God. But you're going to need it. Who's going to need it? Well, if the CR people have heard me say this once, they've heard me say it a thousand times. There's one man who walked the earth who didn't need to recover from anything. His name was Jesus. The rest of us, we all have something to recover from. And so we all have the opportunity to recover, and we all have the opportunity to help someone along their walk of recovery. C.S. Lewis, got to quote C.S. Lewis. You start with Dickens and with Lewis. It's pretty good. He says, hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. When Jesse and I first started Celebrate Recovery, it was a very interesting mix at the church we were at. We had about 75 people coming. And in that group, we had guys living in a homeless shelter who had lost all of their teeth, a lot of their their mental um, faculties to meth. Then I had guys that were running publishing companies all in the same room. And I went to the thinking, how can they, I don't have really anything in common with either of them, How? but then how can they come together and find anything in common? But they did, because they found that whether, no matter what their issue was, the symptom anyway, it all boiled down to trusting God and giving themselves wholeheartedly to God. And when we do that with our hurts, habits, and hang ups, God can do extraordinary things with us. And that's what He wants for us. That's what He wants for this church. That's what He wants for this community. And some of us are just one breakup. Oh, maybe it is literal. One Relationship break up away from the destiny God has for you. That's possible. But many of us are one breakout and break up away from an extraordinary destiny that God has for you. So the question is are you willing to do that? You were all given a card when you came in this morning. If you don't have one, Wave your non-card holding hand and an usher will find you and give you one. Here, Jimmy, you can have mine. Thank you. You were all given a card when you came in this morning. And what I'm asking you to do with that card right now is to take a moment and ask yourself, is there something in my life that I need God to help me break the chain of? It could be anything. It might be one thing, it might be 21 things. I don't know how much time you'll have to write, but what I'm asking you to consider this morning is that there might be something that God wants to help you break out and break up with so you can break into the abundant life he's given you. And what I'd like for you to do this morning is the brave thing, which I think is too hard, is write that thing down on both of those blanks. And then we're going to sing a song together in a moment. I'm going to ask you to come up To the altar with your card. Physically tear it in half. Break that chain. Leave half here at the altar saying, God, this is yours. Take the other half of the card home. Maybe it's to remind you to pray. Maybe it's to, uh, hey, it's a free ticket to come to CR on Tuesday night. Bring it with you to celebrate recovery. But use it as a reminder that this day, God said, I want you to break out and break up with this issue so that I can begin to live in the abundant life that he's called me to live. If you want to bring it with you on Tuesday night to celebrate recovery, we're here every night down at the other end at the King's Kids End at 6.30. We have dinner. Seven o'clock the program starts. It goes to about 8.30. You're certainly welcome to join us. We would love to have you there. So I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to ask God to direct you. If there's something you need to write down, that you will do it. And that he will give you the boldness to come this morning and leave it at the altar. Don't you don't, have, don't put your name on it. And I'm going to collect those afterwards. We're not going to try it. Ooh, whose handwriting? Uh, no. What happens here stays here. So let's pray. Father God, we praise you, Lord. We thank you this morning that you are a chain-breaking God. We thank you, Lord, that you and you alone have the power to help us recover. Many of us, myself included in this room, have tried countless different ways to break up with and break out of these things in our lives, and Lord, it hasn't worked. We just keep doing the same insanity merry-go-round over and over again, but God, you have something different for us today. And so I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that if there is something in in my life that you still want me to break with, that you show me that today. I know there is. And I pray the same for everyone else, that we can live in the freedom, the abundant life that you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. So this morning in closing, I want to teach you one of our Celebrate Recovery songs, if that's okay. If you already know it, I would encourage you to sing along. If you don't know it, I'm going to sing it like 20 times by the, just kidding. But as we sing this morning, if God has laid something on your heart that you want to bring to him and break the chain, I would encourage you to come up and do that. You have been listening to the Bethany Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at bccma.org. Thank you, and God bless.